king and we want him now we want a king and we want him now we want a king we want a king and we want him now like other nations we want to bow we want a king and we want him now we want a king hey 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 it's, all uh, right we're here we're back it's we been, it's been a minute. So <laughs> what's up well I th- so it's probably worth sharing with our listeners if they're wondering um a couple of of things that might seem weird when they're listening to a, an episode uh you know all, we, we are recording generally ahead of time so this this particular episode won't air for a couple of weeks after we've already recorded it um which is to say that a, we, we just took a couple of weeks off because of some some scheduling conflicts. And uh, B, there are a lot of things going on in the world that, you know, as you and I are sitting here talking, might be topical to you and me, but might be a little passe in three or four weeks when the episode airs. So it's been oh. sort of a practice, I think, which is uh, a good one. With While details matter... In in a lot of our recounting of circumstances or experiences that uh, are the subject of our of our podcast for the day, I th- I think that we uh, we often find ourselves thinking more philosophically about an issue, um, about a wider culture of of a thing, and so you know it's a general conversation about the topic as opposed to something specific to a date that might have happened a month ago by the time this goes out. Right, right, and if I if I'm looking at the schedule right, this this should drop sometime in early July. So so the uh, story will be a little stale, but I think the philosophy of it is 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 still very valid. And and by the way, uh, just in case folks didn't know, what are they listening to? Oh, uh, you mean like what what the heck show is this? Well. Uh- <laughs> This is civil discourse, and it's certainly not a safe space. Apparently uh, not. So, it's not even safe for a title. Uh, <laughs> and, and I am one of your co-hosts. I'm Mike, and joining me is Charles. So uh, sorry for not introducing ourselves, but uh, we are back. And, we're, we're just and, so excited uh, to be back behind the microphones. We're getting carried away with ourselves here. So. Right. Well, you know, it's a couple of weeks since we've been behind, as you mentioned, and, and we're out of practice. So, but that's okay. That's a real opening. We don't, we don't pat them or, or fake them. It's, it's the way we open the show every, every time we do get together. So you get a little behind the scenes there real quick, before we get deep in this episode, I have a favor of, of the folks who are listening to ask, and that is that they ask others to listen to us. And be sure to uh, go on Apple or wherever you listen and give us a quick five-star rating. Uh, it, we'd appreciate it because this is a new podcast and we're trying to build our audience. So I just wanted to mention that. Sorry for the shameless plug. No, no, so. no. It's not shameless. This might be the one time and the one place where we are perfectly fine if you want to lie. Because if, if really you think it's a one-star rating, give us a five anyway. I mean, it's, it's tell okay. tell us in the comments how terrible we are. Yes. We'll be happy with No, it's cool. <laughs> Honesty is great, but still give us the five-star <laughs> Absolutely. So anyway, I, I want I, I know we want to discuss a few things, but but there's a burning issue that's just really bothering me, and it relates to a couple of our pre- previous episodes. Well, Mike, I have and, to ask you a question. I have to ask you a question. And, and, and sure. you know, this might come out of left field, but just for context. Did you ever get into a fight in school? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a wisp of a boy. More fights than I want to talk about. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Anyway. Okay. Uh, and, and you know, I was a, you know, the fights that, that young kids of our generation would get in wide range of topics. You weren't the cool kid. You were looked at my girlfriend wrong. You, you know, you brought the, the silly lunchbox. It could all be all sorts of things. And, of course... There were the more serious uh, fights that, in my case, I had a couple times where some kid had a problem with the color of my skin in his mostly white school, um, and I should say our mostly white school. Um, and I seem to recall somebody said something about my mother once. I had to have a conversation with his face about that. Um, but uh, I, I was going to mention your mama joke gone bad. <laughs> so it was uh, where you cross the line just a little too much. So, yeah, you anyway. know, because, you know, we can we can throw down that, you know, with the best of them. But there's a point where you don't go past a man, a, a boy's mama, you know, just don't. Right, do that. right, right. right. Um, so 
not that we're endorsing fighting, but here's here's the thing. And I just want to put this out in the, at the front of this conversation. My parents and I certainly had a colorful relationship growing up. And my mom's gone now. My dad's still around. And he and I have certainly not seen eye to eye on a wide range of topics. But there were a couple of things that my parents really, in my opinion, did right. And to this day, I not only appreciated the permission that and, and and support that they gave me in certain areas, but I have tried to move to, to take that experience and that value and give it to my child. And one of them was that you don't go starting fights, you don't go bullying people, you don't do anything like that. But if somebody comes after you, if somebody is is bullying you, they gave me absolute permission to stand up for myself. And they told me very clearly, I'm not concerned about what the principal has to say. I'm not concerned about what the teacher has to say. If somebody is beating on you, you stand up for yourself. Because if you allow that once, it'll continue for the rest of your life. And, you know, within the context of school and so forth. But I think I think they weren't kidding when they said the rest of your life, because it's a psychology that you take forward. And, you know, that didn't open the gates to brawling every day after school. But the couple of times that somebody really did uh, physically threaten me and and cross that line, I knew that I would have the support of my parents if I stood up for myself. And, and I think that's that's all very valid. Uh, and, you know, even in my adult life, uh, the initiation of violence is a is a, is uh just against my core tenets in life and the credo I try to adhere to. I don't initiate violence and I don't steal people's stuff. And that doesn't mean we don't defend ourselves. And of course I want to instill those same values in my children and did with my oldest too. And and I'm doing so with my, my young foster son. And uh, I agree. And as, as a former wisp of a boy and I'm not a wisp of a boy anymore, uh, you know, I, I was a target because of item number two on your list, by the way, because I, I, I liked the company of young ladies, even at a young age. And boys would take exception to that when you were young because you were hanging out with girls. And as you got older, because you were hanging out with their girl and uh, <laughs> gotten, gotten a few tussles over that. Generally lost those tussles because I weighed all of about 90 pounds soaking wet. I, I always tell people this. I had a 26 inch waist when I got married. And I'd already been in the military a while. I think I weighed 115 or 120 pounds when I joined the military. It was very light. So I, there wasn't much to me. But yes, you at least got as many pokes in as you could so that you weren't uh, a perpetual victim or, or even thought of yourself as a victim, right? Well, but that's, I, see, that's I think that's that's the, the key word here is victim is it's it's a noun, um, but it's, it's also a verb. And right, right. you have i think young people especially have to learn how to not become a victim in the noun sense but how not to perpetuate a sense of victimhood in the verb sense it because that carries over and again i am forever grateful that my parents instilled that because it taught me not just to physically stand up for myself, but just in every aspect of, of self-respect. You learned, I, I learned with their support how to have self-respect and how to demonstrate that and demand a certain degree of it from my environment, so to speak. And, and in doing it for myself, also show it for others. Um, and when necessary, stand up for those who maybe weren't as strong as I fortunately was able to be uh, when it was necessary. And that's a value I try to instill in, in my own son. I know he's come home from school a couple times and so-and-so was picking on so-and-so. And I told I told that kid to, to leave him alone. And I said, very good. Don't go picking fights, but you don't just stand around and watch somebody who's, who's being bullied without... Uh, you know, if you can't get into it yourself because it's not right, appropriate, or you don't have the ability, then you tell somebody, you do something, you don't just turn your back on it. And I think that carries through into adulthood, or should at least, right? Right, right. 
that uh, that was the relationship that in this particular area at least I had with my parents and in my schooling experience that wasn't always echoed and reflected in the teachers and in the administration at the school and I understand there is a fine line there's a very fine line that teachers and administrators have to walk when it comes to the subject of, of violence in schools, especially today. But even back when we were in school, you know, the, it, it wasn't necessarily perfectly fine for a couple of guys to go out into the parking lot and settle their differences. Not like our, our parents probably was. Uh, and I've heard stories. I don't know if this is something you, you remember, but I've heard stories where uh, older generations, there was a, a, a boxing ring in the basement of the school. And if two boys um, had an issue, the gym teacher t- put the gloves on them and took them downstairs and let them work it out. <laughs> I, I went to that school. I went to that school because it come at the tail end of that. And, and uh, I, I spent one year in an all boys school and they had the boxing ring downstairs. And if it looked to be a, a fair and equitable fight where you didn't have some big giant guy going after some little wisp of a boy, uh, <laughs> they let it happen. There was a lot of meeting at the the big oak tree out back, which was probably a couple hundred year oak and, and couldn't be seen from the windows in the school. And the boys would go out there and, and beat each other bloody and then move on. Um, of course, you know, there was always some student who went and told the teacher. So the teacher got there in two minutes. So it didn't last too terribly long. But, but you know, real fights, unlike TV fights or, or movie fights, are generally over inside a minute. So oh, um, yeah, if if well, okay, yeah. and here's where I'm going to get some hate mail. You ready for it? Not a safe I'm space. Ready. Here it comes. I take back everything I just said relative to girls. I don't know if you've ever watched two girls get into a fight in the hallways of a school. Uh, I was a school teacher. I don't. I hate to get in the middle of girl fights because inevitably the only students who ever hit me or hurt me were were two two women fighting. Uh, Everything that makes, uh, in in my uh, chauvinistic uh, opinion, uh, a girl, uh, or at least the girls I like, you know, the thing that I like about them is exactly why they should never be allowed to fight. (laughs) Because (laughs) two guys, it's a push, it's a shove, a dirty word, a punch, and it's over. Uh, Assuming no weapons are involved. Uh, two girls, there will be things flying at play, nails, scream over the table. Teach, I've watched five teachers try to break up two girls. In a, like there's a viciousness that and obviously I'm speaking very generally, but I actually have witnessed this. And you you as a teacher obviously have, too. It's a different mentality that girls uh, go after each other with. And it's that's probably another podcast, but it's no, no it isn't. But but <laughs> I will say. I, I've talked to a lot of teachers. I, I, I was on a school staff for over a decade and, and we all universally, men, women, all races, all, all colors, all creeds, all agreed that breaking up a girl fight was much more difficult mm-hmm. than breaking up a boy fight and, and our young men and young women, if we were talking high schoolers, yeah. uh, because uh, the, just the young ladies didn't stop. And no, I, don't. I can remember, I'll, I'll just one quick tale. I, I think I've mentioned in a previous podcast. I did not eat lunch in the teacher's lounge. I ate out on the floor with the, the students. We had a table just for the staff and I was sitting there and I watched it unfold. And one of my fellow male teachers and I said, we got to go. So the, we jumped up. We're the only two adults other than the uh, monitors uh, who tend to be a little bit older. Uh, other than the cafeteria monitors, we were the only two staff members in there. And so we go to break it up and I, I literally turned to him. He was a big guy and he said, I'll take so-and-so. And I picked the smaller one. She got me in the eye. She scratched my arm and she popped me right in my mouth. And then when she realized what was going on, said, oh my God, Mr. K, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean, I didn't mean, I was like, forget it. We'll deal with it. You know, there's band-aids and stitches. We can take care of it. So, but no, did, it, did, it, did the shade you, of green go away at that point? And, and, you know, all the other, you know, hulked out moments. Oh, well, you know, the, she was a nice young lady, yeah. you know, it was just passions got the best of her. So for the next week I had a teaser about how she tried to take me out. And so, <laughs> and, so and, and, you know, and you can't take it personally, but, uh, and you don't take it personally if one of the guys hit you either. Uh, because they're generally not aiming at you. Uh, but the point is, is it, none of, nobody on staff enjoyed 
fights between our, our female students. They just weren't good. And when a female attacked a male student, even worse, even worse, because he would generally stop, which made him an immediate victim because he was going to get it. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, so, most of us were raised. You don't hit a girl. And even in self-defense, you, you know, back away. Um, right. I have had some pause on that topic and we can come back to that. But uh, it's yeah, it is difficult. And, and this is one of the things and, and, and this is definitely a, a, another episode, but we'll just tease it here. It is one of the challenges that uh, we deal with in our society because violence towards men doesn't always come from other men. No, no. And, and in fact, I was just looking at these statistics here recently. It depends on what source you, you're looking at, uh, because these are all self-reported and self-divulged uh, mm-hmm. because most spousal abuse is not reported to the police. Yeah. Uh, I know so, that's true. Yep. So I've, I've read a lot of surveys because I was curious about this for another for another topic that we're going to discuss in the future. And I'm seeing numbers between 40 and 50 percent of all spousal abuse is the female partner uh, attacking the male partner. It's hard so, to believe when you think of the way our culture and, and, and society has sort of developed socially at least it, it it sounds hard to believe that but if you've actually paid attention it's not um no not and and you know when we discussed in a previous episode a court case involving uh, this very thing and it, it, at least if the jury read the, the evidence correctly that's exactly what was happening where the, the female partner was attacking the male partner yeah uh and then accusing him of abuse as someone who formerly did a bit of law enforcement work, uh, you tend to believe the smaller, weaker of the two people involved in an altercation. It's just human nature. And you never, you have to check yourself and say, wait a minute, just because he's twice the other person's size doesn't mean he's the perpetrator. Yeah. And that's not to say that we're dismissing, you know, no, no means is okay for men to go after women. That's, that's not what we're saying here. It's never right for anyone to go after <laughs> no, anybody. No. And, and the problem with men going after women is because of the size differential. It tends to be much more damaging. Of course. I, I'm not saying always, I'm just saying it tends to be much more damaging. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I think it was Phil Hartman whose his spouse murdered him. So so we see both sides of the issue. Um, and, and of course, uh, Hollywood has story after story of, of, of men who killed off their wives. So yeah. it, it's it, it's violence is not mutually uh, exclusive to all sex is engaged in it. Let's just say that <laughs> and, and uh, leave it at that. It, it's not uh, exclusive to just men. So. Um, uh, before we go too far down that rabbit hole, which uh, we certainly could, but you use the word there, violence, which is a good transition back to the point of today's conversation. Right. Which and is, I did that on purpose. I'm, I'm clever like that. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, somebody should give you a PhD or something, honestly. That's really. <laughs> oh, or at least pretend like they did, right? <laughs> anyway. Um. So when in, in, in preparing uh, our notes for today's conversation, one of the things that we talked about was the difference between violence and self-defense. And in the context of schooling or school-aged children or young men and women, what bullying does to shade those two words in that topic and there was a story on NPR uh, a couple of weeks ago. In fact, June 1st, I think it aired. Uh, so whenever this episode goes up, if anyone wants to refer to it, um, in the, in the, in, on the NPR website, they actually have it titled, When Teens Threaten Violence, a Community Responds with Compassion. And this article is more about how this particular community, I think it's up in Oregon, um, yeah, Salem, Oregon, uh, a school system and in the community around, there was a, a young man who had posted some threatening uh, statements about his school and, and what the school deserved. And, you know, because of the heightened issue right now about around school violence, guns and so forth, they caught that uh, whoever was monitoring the, the uh, social media site saw that and immediately action was taken to 
get control of that particular child, assess whether or not these threats were serious, what was it that brought him to that point, and how to change his direction if he was going down the wrong path here. And I'm not here to judge any of that. None of that bothers me specifically. But here's where we talk about the details matter. And I remember, because I believe I was in high school when statements or or, or concepts of no tolerance uh, started to become the normal discourse in, in administration, zero tolerance. That's what they called it. Zero tolerance. Did you have that when you were in school? That, that rolled out late eighties, early nineties. So that yeah. would be your, your time frame. Yeah. That was not my, my uh, time frame. Uh being just a little older than you are, but yeah, that's a late eighties, nineties. Uh, and, and again, it was like many of these initiatives, it, it was well thought of in that, Oftentimes a kid would retaliate after being bullied and he'd be the one gets suspended while the bully would walk away laughing because he didn't start the fight. Right. And so, uh, but all these well-intentioned things have to be taken with a grain of salt. And I think that's where we're going with this one. And uh, I think, uh, and again, we don't have any problems with the actions initially taken in, in assessing this child and making sure he or she were, I think it was a, a young man who was not making yeah. a, legitimate, a legitimate threat. But here's what bothered me when you brought this to me, and I, I reacted to it before you had brought it to my attention because I'd read the same story. Um, and that was not only did they go to assess him, but they had local law enforcement come in and arrest him, cuff him and, and make him perp walk out of the school and into the courthouse, thereby humiliating him in front of the entire community. Uh, and, and perhaps, perhaps that's a measured response, perhaps. But I tend to think that until you can fully assess the situation, that may, that was likely an overreaction. Now, in this particular case, I believe uh, that there had been some history with this young man up to that point already. Um, there had been a couple of different incidents where he was involved with um, some fights and, and, and things that would be red flags uh, as far as somebody who is capable of a violent act. Um, as it turned out, when they got into it with him, he was venting frustration and doing it in a very poor way <laughs> that uh, a young man uh, with modern language and, and uh, ideas would do. And, and that doesn't excuse that, but it's just the reality is. And again, this isn't even what bothers me. Uh, as far as the perp walk, I agree. I think there's a certain way to handle young people when there isn't an imminent uh, issue at hand. And I think a lot of times these these displays of, you know, over aggressive policing or whatever the case is, it, I'll probably get in trouble for even suggesting this, but I think a lot of times it's more for show of the community. Look at what we're doing. See how seriously we're taking this. I, I think... There's truth in what you said in that I think they're trying to make an example for all the other students yes. saying we're not going to we're not going to step back down from this. Now, I, I before we go too far, I need to I need to point out a few things, though, that are pertinent to this particular story. This is a kid who'd been jumped and hit in the eye and eventually lost sight in the eye that had been hit. And and, and he was a victim of bullying. Uh, no, that wasn't him. That was his friend, I think. It was his friend. Okay. okay I, and I can't remember well, all the well, facts. Okay. So what you're, you're, you're going into the next step. And this is, this is I, where my blood started to boil as I sat in my driveway, unable to get out of the car till this story ended cursing at the radio. Uh, so, and, and I think I called you right afterwards. I said, we have to talk about and, this. Yeah. I had to, and I have some other background we'll share later on in, in the episode about this as well. So uh, but the point is, is there was a pattern of violence in this school. This and this, this young, this young man reaction. and his friends had been victimized by other kids in school, which is a reality that happens. I mean, we, we do we can absolutely and can and should do what we can to try and prevent bullying. That's important. But it is going to happen. That's just the nature absolutely. of humanity. 
And and I don't care what kumbaya version of your life out there thinks differently. That is human nature. On some degree, it's going to happen. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it all right. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything. But it is a reality. And I think we have to acknowledge that reality so that we deal with it realistically. And the problem that, you know, if, if, if I'm going to skip to the chase here, there was a series of events. There, there were a series of events with this young man and his circle of a couple of friends. They were outcasts in their own way. They weren't the cool kids or whatever it was that had resulted in he and his friends at various points together and apart being bullied and, and, and bullied in the sense of really beaten on. And yes, if if memory serves, it was one of his friends had even gotten hit, hit in such a way. I don't remember the details, but yes, he had lost vision in his eye. And when uh, whether it was that particular moment or another one like it, it was his friends. uh, In one case, it was him in the case that led him to write this stuff on 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 social media. He wasn't in the room when it happened, but his friends got beaten on and then the bullies ran off. And because of their zero tolerance policy in the school, his friends got suspended or expelled or something totally unreasonable. There they are beaten and bruised and they get kicked out because they participated in a a, a fight in the school and there's a zero tolerance policy. Now, again, this was not the first incident. This was after a series of steps and a series of steps where this young man, I think, did try to get help, did try to, you know, find some. Nobody helped these kids when they were getting bullied and they did not have the means to defend themselves. And if they did, they were getting punished in the in the process. Well, that creates desperation. Well, and let's let's throw in a new, new tangent here that that people our age, maybe a little bit younger and our age and older, aren't going to get. When you left school in 1985, you left that at school, and you got to go home, and you got to get out of that environment mm-hmm. until the next morning when you went back in. Now you're getting harassed on Facebook, mm-hmm. on TikTok, on this, on that, whatever the cool. It go. It uh, follows you I, everywhere. It, it, everywhere you can't get away from it. People are texting you and threatening you. And, and and so you never get away from the bullying. And now bullying becomes a 24-7 cycle that the uncool kids, and I'm, I'm using a term just to use a general term. I'm not saying they're cool or uncool. The uncool kids can never get away from this. And um, and it's vicious and it's nasty. And we can put your, your image up and manipulate your image to make you look even horrible or whatever. And, and so we can use technology. Bullies can now use technology to bully you even more. And it never relents. And so you're in big trouble as far as that's concerned, you know, and, and how do you get away from that? So you said something that I just want to put an asterisk by, which was that the, the, uh, the uncool kids, um, you know, or getting bullied. And that's certainly true. But I, I think it's important to state it has nothing to do really. If, if you're, quote, uncool, obviously you are a larger target for people to go after in, in a child mentality, in a teenage mentality. Um, but this can happen to even the cool kids. And, of course, and, of and course. there's a whole nother conversation to be had for those of us who put on a face of of everything's fine, everything's all right, uh, I'm cool with it, you know, this sort of thing. But a lot of damage can be happening beneath that veneer of of coolness. And, you know, the thing young people can be driven to do stuff, where, and you'll hear it all the time. We, he was always just fine. We never, we never suspected a thing. He was perfectly, you know, well-adjusted and normal. Nobody had a clue. Well, some people can't hide it as well as others. Some people hide it really well, but it doesn't mean it's not there. The The problem isn't there. And so you don't have to be a nerd, so to speak, to to be a victim of this mentality. And we're dealing with space age technology with childhood uh, psychology. Right. And that right. is a deadly combination. Um, right. And it is incumbent. And this is where I could use some very strong language in saying this. It is incumbent upon the authorities, and I mean the teacher, I mean the administration, I mean the parents, I mean whoever it is that the children are supposed to turn to 
to step in and be there for these young men and boys and girls so that they don't become desperate. There is no place else for them to turn. And in that, if they find themselves with access to an opportunity, they turn to violence either against themselves or others. And and I think that's a point. And and we've gone a little while since I've said it, but I'm going to remind everyone we don't agree with his actions. Threatening violence, extreme violence in a school setting is always inappropriate. Uh, But I do, I think what we're saying is while we don't agree with his actions, we understand what drove him there. And and so I wanted to reference back to an incident that happened a few years ago, and that would be the Columbine shootings. And and this is the story of the Columbine shootings where you you essentially had a, a a psychopath. And I always get the two mixed up. One is uh, one was Klebold, Dylan Klebold. And I think the other one was Eric Harris, if I remember right. And I can never remember which was which, but you, you have a psychopath who's being bullied and you have someone who's bipolar, he's being bullied. And uh, and it's a pattern that's gone on for years. And what happens is the psychopath decides that's it. I'm going to get these bullies and I'm going to get them all. And he doesn't just see the bullies as the bullies. He sees everyone who stood by and did nothing mm-hmm. as being part of the bullying culture. And so he is able to leverage um, the, the, the young man who is bipolar to basically do his bidding. Uh, because of the power structure with mental illness and, and all those other things. And they literally did carry out an attack on their fellow students because they felt they'd been bullied. And I, again, I'm not condoning their actions. Obviously it was horrible, horrible. And lots of people who had nothing to do with it died. Um, but the warning signs were all there. They were all there. The, the parents were aware of it, but they thought they were just complaining uh, there were teachers who were aware of it. There were all the warning signs were there and nobody stepped in and nobody took care of, 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 of business. And, and that's a story uh, that has repeated itself many times. Over, over and over. And, and, and I'm sure we're going to find out. Yeah. We're going to find out in this most recent spat of incidences as well, that, that the same thing happened. And Listen, I get it. Of anybody in, in in this podcast who gets it, I do. You, you're, you're working 12, 13 hours a day grading papers. You can barely squeeze your your your, your own family into your life. Uh, in spite of what everybody thinks, they're not six and a half hour days. They're, they're 12, 13, 14 hour days. You sit in front of the movies with your, your spouse and you're grading papers while you're doing that on the weekend. I get that you're incredibly busy. You have 300, 400 students um, who you see every other day. Uh, generally as a rule. And, and so you're incredibly uh, underwater work-wise. But when that young person walks in and tells you that they're having a problem, I, I strongly encourage anyone in the world of education, whether you're you're a teacher, an administrator, a bus driver, a, a cafeteria monitor, a, jan- a, a, a part of the custodial staff, uh, uh, whatever, stop, listen, report it to the administration, make sure that you send a follow-up email saying, I, I just want to follow up on Johnny and Sally's problem that I talked to you about the other day and, and make sure you were aware that, that this is a serious issue that Sally came and talked to me about. Uh, I, I just, I want to say that as, as an educator, as a very proud educator, that that is critical that we don't ignore. And as parents, if, if you think it's your student, your son or your daughter getting bullied, I think it is incumbent upon you yeah, they're going to be embarrassed. They're going to be ashamed. They're going to think you're horrible. You got to talk to the administration. You just have to. Well, there's a way to do this. And 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 here's the thing. It's this, this if ever there was a, a, a moment where the phrase, it takes a, com- a community, it takes a village. This is it. I mean, everyone you just mentioned who, who is a, an adult in a school system absolutely has to be engaged. But it's not just the school system. It's the parents. It, it is, you know, the, the people at the church. It is wh- whatever the community is, there is a responsibility to take care of our young people. And it doesn't matter whether it's your kid or not. If you see something that is because it will inevitably when something goes off the deep end in the worst way, and we all know what I'm talking about, your kid or you yourself are going to be affected by that. And we have to take a responsibility. And I was outraged that in the in the case of this young man um, from Salem, Oregon, 
even in the telling of the story that NPR reported, it bothered the you-know-what out of me that when when they reported this this young man was taken to counseling he sat with this these these uh opportunities for uh for help were given to him and the conversation was always about why are you angry why should you not be angry and how can what can we do what can you the young man himself do to let go of that anger all of that is a fine part of the conversation, but as far as I'm concerned, it's only half the conversation. Because where was the acknowledgement that he had a legitimate reason to feel desperate? He absolutely, I'm not saying he should have gone on and doing the threats and doing all that other stuff. I'm not justifying that. But this young man, and I have been in his shoes in my own way, I think we all have if we really think back, had a legitimate reason why he was being put into a place of desperation and nobody was coming to his aid. And it wasn't until he spoke out in the only way he knew how that suddenly he became the target of the community's attention as a threat. There was no conversation about the failure of the authorities, the adults uh, around him, the teachers, the parents, the administration, etc. The, their failure to support him before it got to a place of desperation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, you and I've known each other a long time and, and uh, I'm not one to raise my voice and go off. And typically if I raise my voice and go off, you can attest to this is because I feel like I'm not being heard. Mm -hmm. I, th I would and think I, that's all of us, right? <laughs> I, and I, I was getting ready. There are a few people in the world that just go off on the slightest thing. Well, that's and, true. and that's why I said this. But they would uh, argue but, it's still because they feel they're not being heard. Now I, it's sure a perception would. thing, but they, they right. would argue and probably rightfully so from their perspective that that's exactly why they're raising their voices too. Uh, agreed. And, and so if, if this kid has brought it up and brought it up and brought it up and nobody's done anything at some point, he's got to get attention. And again, as, as Charles said, I don't agree with his methodology. And remember he's a teenager. So his brain is not fully developed. It's he doesn't think of the consequences of his actions because that part of his brain is, and I'm not making excuses. It's just not fully developed yet. He, he may not be able to, to think it through. He probably knows what he's doing is wrong, but he, he may not realize that he is now terrified See, I would, I would, I would actually question that, and here's why. I think that no matter who you are, at what stage of life, because I mean, you're absolutely right. The a, a young mind is not fully developed, and there are elements uh, of the thinking process that aren't going to necessarily work the same way you and I should. However, desperation, and I keep coming back to that word. Whatever has led you to the point of desperation, when you have arrived at that point, consequences no longer matter. Of course. If you're, you're starving, right. if you're starving or your child is starving and you are desperate, take me to jail. I'm going to break into this store and get some food for my kid. I'll deal with the consequences later. Right now, I'm desperate to feed my child. If, if my life is on the line or my child's life or whatever it is that has put me in a desperate space, to hell with consequences. I need to do what I need to do to survive. And that, that very limited A to B thought, I think, is, is from birth to death. You know, it obviously well, it, context changes, but it's a primal instinct. Exactly. Yeah, it's a primal instinct to defend yourself and yours. And, and so he got to that point where regardless of consequences, whether he could think them through or not, you're right. It doesn't really matter. He, he was desperate enough that he felt that he had to get someone's attention through rash action before something bad happened. Yeah. And if, if the story is true that his, one of his friends was beaten so badly that they went blinded in one of their eyes, that, that sense of pending doom is real. Amen. It's real. So um, again, I, you know, I, 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 the failure of educators and parents and a community, and yes, I said a community, to, to intervene before it got to the point where he felt so desperate that he had to post something in a public forum. Um, I think I think our reporters would would have done well to acknowledge that. And and by the way, 
I, I should mention this uh, in case people don't realize it. You and I share a love of NPR. We both listen to NPR and, and we've discussed many stories on NPR, even though we come from different political ends of the spectrum. I, I enjoy NPR as well. And, and uh, I feel they did a really poor job of reporting on this story. Well, it's, again, to me, they talked about half of the and, and I would even argue not even half, maybe a third of what the real story is. I mean, yes, dealing with this young man and maybe other young people like it, how the community is trying to provide resources to them to learn how to deal with their feelings in a constructive way. All of that's fine and good. And and I'm not criticizing that. No. But, but to me, you have that aspect. Then you, there's the aspect of why, what legitimate cause is bringing them to that feeling in the first place. And what, what are we going to do about that? Because, by the way, you brain, I'm going to say a, a word that's really too much, but I'm going to use it anyway. You brainwash a child into singing Kumbaya every time he starts to feel a little disgruntled. And let's say he will fully accepts it. Then that child goes back to school and you think the bullying has stopped? No. So now, no, in fact, now it's stepped, it, it stepped up. Absolutely. So now what tools does this young man have at his disposal to defend himself? Well, I'm not going back there because it's going to get even worse. <laughs> and if he has no choice, now you talk about what are the methodologies by which that young person is going to have available to defend himself. And then we start hearing what I think becomes, look, we're going to have another conversation about gun control down the line and, and, and culture and policy and all that stuff. So I don't want to make this about this, but it is, I, I will simply say this. It is while that is a conversation that needs to be had in our country, I, I, I fully believe regardless of where it ends, I, that's absolutely a discussion that needs to be had. To say that gun control is the overarching issue with bullying, with the results of bullying and the failure of a community to protect our young people from that psychology, that's insane to me. You, you Again, that's only a third of the picture, if I, and that's being generous. You know, I, it, I think you are being I think you are being generous. And, and if indeed uh, violence in school is stepping up. Uh, and we're not just talking um, shootings, but if, if indeed it's true, if violence in school is stepping up, then we need to step back as a, as a society and say, why has it come to this point? And, and uh, because there are multiple issues that we need to discuss here. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, I think, um, I think there is, there are some issues that are, are relatively recent historically that are, are contributing to this. I think schools are struggling as of late, and we've talked about this in the past, and so students are frustrated. Um, and I think communities are frustrated with schools in many ways, and we see this a lot with referendums and school board meetings and, and other things where uh, parents are not happy with school boards and and. School boards are not happy with parents and, and teachers. You know, nobody's happy with anybody at this point. And, uh, you know, I, I painted a really positive picture of my time in education, and I stand by that very positive picture. But I wonder if my story was the exception and not the rule. Well, I think that one of the problems we have, and I don't know about the rest of the world, but I certainly think it's true in this country, is we, and you know, maybe this has something to do with, you know, film and television and instant gratification and all this other kind of stuff that is social media and all this other business. But we look for a, a one pill fix to everything. You know, right. Take this, and there, is, there isn't one pill. This one it's shot just, is going to solve the whole issue. And, and, and this goes back to what I started today's conversation saying, I think that a lot of these discussions, while details do matter, there is a broader cultural uh, shift, uh, paradigm shift that we need to be looking at. And when we speak in those terms, 
it's, you know, just taking the topic of schools, it's about culture, it's about mentality, it's about what's happening in the classroom, it's what's happening at home, it's what's happening on the street, it's the support that uh, academics are given relative to athletics, what is, it's, it's an entire comprehensive conversation, and we cannot just say, well, the the problem with schools is gun control. So that's I mean that's not apples and oranges. That's apples and toothpicks. It has nothing. Oh, and, and nor can we say the problem with with schools and violence is a lack of uh, uh, resource officers, uh, police officers in the school. Because again, that's part of a solution. That's not the solution. Exactly. And so and, and so in being fair to both sides of this issue. Uh, putting more cops in schools won't solve the problem either. I'm not saying it's not part of the solution. I'm simply saying it's not the solution and we have to stop portraying it as such. Well, I would um, argue it's not a solution at all. I would argue it is. That's a future, that's a future discussion, but I, I don't want to dismiss that yet. No, I just want to say, I, I'm not saying it. I think it is a, an attempt to, to solve a symptom but right, I don't right. think it has anything to do with solving the problem. And uh, you're absolutely right. That's for another podcast. But um, yeah, yeah. But, but I do think the change that has happened, and we talked about this earlier, and I want to point this out. The change that has happened is bullying went from being a seven-hour cycle every day to a 24-hour cycle every day. You can't escape it. It's also something that's being demonstrated in every uh, aspect of our interaction with with society, you know, we well, we, we talked about this in, in previous podcasts where people bullied other people in in the public forum. Uh, well, you see it, you see it in stuff. you see it in the government, you see it in the news, you see it in the on the on the the tube. The the oh, well, I just dated myself. The, the TV. On YouTube, he met YouTube. He met YouTube. <laughs> Um, You're one of the uncle kids. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um, but I mean, you're right. It There was an insulation to certain uh, stimuli that happened in certain settings. You know, some a certain experience happened at school and you escaped that when you went home or, or, or went to school. Some things happened at home and you could escape that when you went to school or went to work or whatever the case is. Right. Um, you know, some aspects of, of the unpleasantry of life were escaped when you did sit down to watch television. That It was escapism. Uh, and, and it used to be for entertainment. Now we turn on, you know, at seven o'clock, whatever drama shows off and somebody's head is rolling down the street. And I'd like to say that I'm just being an old fuddy duddy. But no, the violence is indescribable in our primetime uh, children accessible. And if and if you don't have a television, it's on your phone. And, and if it's not something made up, it's something literally on the news that's happening in real life, sometimes on the other side of the world, sometimes quite literally next door in your neighbor's house, you know, in, in which social media brings to the fore. It, there are things that are affecting our, our psychology, our culture, our, our paradigm that are moving, again, at a space age pro, uh, uh, speed when our, our psychology, I really believe, is still back in the Bronze Age. You know, we're not moving forward in, in, in tandem and we are seeing some real problems come out of that. In my humble opinion, I, I know I, I agree, but we haven't. We haven't. To your point, we haven't evolved. Our society has evolved. We're still, you know, if you go back four thousand years or three thousand years, the mindset hasn't changed no. that much. It just hasn't, and, and you know, we still worry about making making sure our kids have a better life life than what we had. We still worry about bringing home the groceries and and making sure everybody's fed and has a place to sleep tonight. I mean, our, our primal concerns have not changed. Our societal concerns, we're still within our little village. We just call it a town now or a city or whatever, our community, whatever the case may be. But I, I really don't think that we as a human species have really evolved. Uh, well, we could, well, it's think about it. And, and this is going to sound a bit non sequitur, but it, I think it's pertinent here. If you go back to the year 1900, and maybe go back 25 years before that, but we'll just, for the sake of argument, 1900, there were still horses and horse-drawn buggies on the street 
Okay. If you took a snapshot of, of the year 1900, just an average day in an average community, and we had the ability to take the same snapshot in the Roman Empire, the vast majority of what you would see outside of a place like New York City, but you know, in your standard community, would look almost exactly the same. Sure it would. Sure it would. In fact, the Romans may have flushed toilets where you didn't. <laughs> in many ways, they were Just probably that. more advanced. So we we lived as a species exactly the same way, essentially, as an agri- agrarian society with armies and war and, and this and that. But for, you know, trading and getting around by horse and buggy and walking for thousands and thousands and thousands of hundreds of thousands of years. OK, and, and then in one century. Uh, I, I mean, a, to, a blink of an eye is too much time. Uh, we went from horse and buggy to the moon. That, that was half a century, actually. <laughs> um, a little, little half, 1969, we're on the moon. Uh, to your point, in the blink, in literally five generations, yeah. we went from horse and buggy being able to catch a flight to London and get there in five hours. And talk, instead of writing a letter and mailing it and waiting six months for a reply, you're looking at somebody in their face and having a live conversation in the palm of your hand. And 40 years ago, we thought the idea of me talking to you on my watch was cartoon or a comic book, Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy. Or <laughs> and now you and I can talk on our, our watches whenever we want. So, I mean... The fact is that technology has has accelerated rapidly uh, through through the last century. For you you all youngins out there listening, um, just think about this. The Apple Watch, forget about the phone. The phone is passe. The Apple Watch has more computing power than the Apollo space shuttle or or, or capsule, the rocket that took them to the moon. That's a fact. And and (laughs) I I think, I think we do, I think we have not caught up to our technology. And so uh, these social issues, bullying, um, cyber stalking, whatever the case may be, are all, all really, really pertinent in this case. Uh, And I think they do contribute to the, to the violence we're seeing again, not an excuse for the violence, but, but if indeed this is getting worse and worse, there's got to be more to it than what we see when we first look. And I think really that's the, that's the message of this podcast, isn't it today? Well, it's, it's the, the thing that um, I guess is, is what really just drove, drove me to be impassioned by this is that we cannot solve an issue by taking one snapshot of that issue and just saying that's the problem. And in the, you know, this was a wonderful demonstration of how, as reported by NPR, and and again, you're absolutely right. NPR has always been and probably always will be my primary news source, uh, but that's not without criticism. And uh, and and I do also try and look at uh, look look for other uh, sources of, of news and reflection, but they made a story about a community that was trying to change the psychology of a young man who was troubled. And that is a story that should be explored. But a very, very important other aspect of why was this child put into a position to be troubled? And how is it that nothing, at least according to this report, was done to make sure that nobody else is put in his position to feel so desperate? And you can't say, you know, violence is unacceptable in all terms, and that's the end of the conversation. We can say violence is unacceptable, but I'll just put it out there. It's not a safe space. I don't agree with that statement. You come I, at me I with a knife, either. some violence is going to go down here. <laughs> well, no, I, I think, you know, and this is a future future discussion we will have, and it's a, it's a past discussion we've had. When And you and I have discussed when is violence appropriate and, and when is it when is it proper to defend your home? And and I won't tip my hand now, but maybe in the future I will. But but we do have to use violence from time to time. We talked about it in, in, in our, our last episode regarding war. There is an appropriate time to wage war. Uh, we may disagree on when that is, but there certainly is an appropriate time, though there are pacifists who think never. 
and I do acknowledge that. And they have very rational and reason. And and I can uh, respect their personal decision. Of course. Um, but, you know, again, the vernacular here, the words matter. And when we when you make a statement like violence is never OK, unfortunately, there are circumstances where the only way to translate that is to also say self-defense is never OK. Because sometimes <laughs> violence is the only way to defend yourself, especially when you're getting your eye poked out by the neighborhood kids. And especially when the adults aren't stepping in to be there to protect you. Agreed. Agreed. And I, I don't think we can get any further. I, I think we have to agree that this is, this is a perpetual problem at the moment. I, I don't know that we have all the solutions. Oh, we, come we on now. Some. Surely we do. <laughs> well, we've, certainly, we've certainly proposed some. I, I think I made a pretty impassioned plea to please intervene. Yes. Uh, and because, and That's because, what we're you know, saying. It, get involved. Pay attention. <laughs> the other thing is, as much as we tease about safe spaces, here's one where I'm going to, I'm going to use it in a positive and proper way. If you're in that world, please create a safe space for these kids to get to where they're not going to get bullied and, and allow them a break from it. Uh, and and I think that's all I have to say. Just just let them get in that classroom or get in that cafeteria or wherever uh, the office and let them just decompress and get that stuff off their chest, please. And so I'll, I'll leave it at that. Now, I'm going to throw this out there um, for any young people that might be listening to this show. Unfortunately, sometimes you find yourself in a position like this young man we've been talking about where the adults around you are not stepping up to help you. If you're in a position like that, there is a national violence. It's called the National Domestic Violence Hotline, but they will they will be there to be in some form of assistance, whatever the, the circumstance may be. And uh, it's 800 799-7233. And I don't mean to make this an after-school special, but I can imagine listening to this program and saying, I need help. Who do, Give me someone to turn to. Go to that. Uh, give them a call. Do what you need to do to protect yourself, protect your loved ones, your friends, whatever it is. If, if you can't rely on the authorities around you, then at least there's some place you can call uh, before allowing yourself to get to a desperate situation. Agreed. I, I don't think there's anything else we can say that that should be the final word on this subject. So, Hey, I, I know we have to thank some folks. So before we go, and, and I want to thank you for bringing this topic up and, and, and having a wonderful discussion. So, so my partner in crime here, Charles Secrease, once again, knocking it out of the park. And, and I want to thank our, our wonderful producer, Keith, who puts up with us uh, whenever we can get, together. So I, I, I just want to say, that. I've seen Keith have some good gut laughs through the window here in the studio, but he's been oddly silent on this subject. I think is interesting. Yeah. This is, this is a pretty heavy <laughs> subject. Uh, well, I, I think I did mention that I was a wisp of a voice. So you can infer from that, whatever you'd like. Um, <laughs> so, so we, we could probably commiserate on that. Um, uh, but but definitely, uh, and Charles and I have exchanged stories. He knows exactly where we're coming from as well. So, uh, but Charles, you do have a list of folks that we want to thank, and then I'm going to make that one last plug before we we, we quit for the day. All right. So, well, uh, first of all, thank you all, our listeners and subscribers. Please go on to wherever you get your podcasts, uh, subscribe, uh, click that five star rating, give us your thoughts. Uh, go to uh, Civil Discourse TNSS. This is not a safe space at gmail.com. Write us your thoughts. Tell us your experiences. Um, what have you, uh, as, as a student, as a child, as a parent, as an adult, a teacher, an administrator, police officer, whatever your uh, situation, everyone who is anyone has uh, experienced this world. And uh, we want to hear from you and, and what you think. Um, Sacred Heart University, who uh, supports uh, this podcast, we want to thank, along with the School of Communication and the Arts here, Dr. Jim Castingay, Keith Zdrojevi, our illustrious producer behind the glass there, uh, and of course, uh, my co-host, Dr. Michael Koniger, always wonderful to be here with you. Ditto, and, and we appreciate you, and, and as Charles asked, please tell a friend, please leave us a review. Please send us an email and say, 
it, just send us a quick line and say thanks so much or you guys are terrible I, we'd be happy to hear any anything from you at this point so thank you so very much and go out there and have a great rest of your week and be kind to one another have a good one Surrender.